0: Calling the
1: Medicine Remix hotline. Please
2: leave message
0: at the sound of the beep. Thank you.
2: Medicine Remix. This is Lady Jig of Love Exchange. You guys are the coolest doctors. Do people know at work that you guys have this podcast? I kind of wonder. It's. I. I bet they're just like thinking you're like the dopest people in the practice. Um. And also, I'm curious what Um, What are you practicing? I'm actually, I work in IR as a scheduler. So, uh, you know, you get to meet all kinds of doctors and nurses and techs and all all that jazz. So I was just curious what you guys do. But uh, um, great, great podcast. I love the music and uh, keep on doing it. Have hope you have a wonderful holiday. Take care. Goodbye. Peace.
3: what's really good anchor hood what's really eel podcast veal it's your boy Reesh. it's your station medicine remixed and it's your year 2018 happy new year to everyone listening i hope 2018 has gotten off to a great start for y'all big ups to Lady Jig for that call in recognizing the realness of Medicine Remixed we appreciate you and for those of you that are new to the station and don't really know the characters behind Medicine Remixed I'm Rish as I mentioned I recently graduated from an orthopedic surgery residency in New York and began working as a licensed orthopedic surgeon part-time while spending the rest of my time trying to build this Medicine Remixed thing into something bigger and better with my boy D Bunks who is of course my partner in Rhyme and co-founder who recently finished his psychiatry residency and is now finishing up his child and adolescent psychiatry fellowship down south. And I tell D all the time that we both deal with very different types of pain for a living and we both dissect using different sets of skills. I mostly deal with physical pain and he mostly deals with emotional pain. I dissect with scalpels and scissors and he dissects with words and questions. We both graduated medical school together after rotating through all of the subspecialties of medicine and let me tell you that for me a 5am to 9pm day of surgery was way less exhausting Than a 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. day of psychiatry, emotional pain is on another level, in my opinion. So big ups to D for doing what he does. And uh, to answer your question, Lady Jig, we've definitely been telling more people at work about Medicine Remix. But while we were in residency, we definitely kept it on the low to prevent a situation where, you know, keeping it real went wrong and fucked up our ability to graduate so now that we've graduated we're definitely starting to tell more people but for now while we're still treating patients we're gonna continue using our medicine remixed alter egos of debunks and reach respectively this past year we also got my wife dr Rama, in the mix for a women's health segment called wonder woman which we're planning to reboot in a more consistent way as part of our medicine remixed 2018 resolution. Um, She's a licensed OBGYN who is finishing up a fellowship in reproductive genetics in New York City. So definitely stay tuned for some more great Wonder Woman segments with her this year. And uh, last but definitely not least, we had my first cousin, Big H, join the Medicine Remix squad this past summer, helping us research and write medical news and doctrinary segments which have gotten phenomenal feedback from y'all, so we're grateful to have his talents for more fresh content like that in 2018. But uh, as much as the longtime listeners of Medicine Remix have gotten some context on the medical backgrounds of me, D, and Rama, we haven't really shared much about Big H's background in medicine yet, because... It's an unconventional but epic story that we were waiting for the right time to tell, and I think the beginning of a new year is a perfect time to share his inspiring and important story with the Medicine Remix family. So over the next week or so, you'll be hearing many different types of segments telling the both tragic and triumphant tale of Medicine Remix's very own Big H. So next up, you're going to hear a conversation between D and I, which will lead up to Big H's big story. And I hope you take away as much as we did from his very real and raw narrative. So call in with your thoughts, comments, and questions as always. Thank you for tuning in to Medicine Remixed. Truly grateful for your encouragement and support. Much love and appreciation, y'all. Peace. some interesting stuff i have in the pipeline i have a lot of content related to big h i heard his first documentaries that he did with a classmate of his man really fucking
4: good You were age 43, is that correct, when you started in medical school and the student body was averaged something like 26. Mm -hmm. So at the age of 43, did you feel that you could offer unique perspectives to the picture, to the class, and to your study groups, a perspective that 20-somethings at that point maybe couldn't contribute because they simply didn't have the breadth of life experiences that you did? It probably
5: helped me. In some ways uh, with patient care and mm-hmm. understanding and maybe handling stress and trying to juggle things because by now, you know, I've already, you know, juggled businesses and family and going to college where a lot of them weren't quite married yet or, or somewhere and just starting a family mm-hmm. uh, but they hadn't had those life experiences. and all that ever know is going to high school straight from straight into medical school. So you know, some of them
3: didn't have the opportunity um, to actually experience life. He's already cut it up into segments and that's what I mean as far as you know trying to like yeah. replicate and scale the behavior. One of the analogies I'm trying to work on is my understanding of what like a sous chef yeah. is, you know you've heard of that term sous chef. They get like all the fucking ingredients prepared and right. and then you know the main chef takes all those things that are like, cut up, that he like, puts it on the stove. At least like, for the sake of right, the analogy, right. let's just say that that's
0: what- There's the, a sous chef right now listening and, like, that's
3: not what does. we do, you fucking no asshole. asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so at least for the sake of the analogy, he's writing content, recording content, and now he's doing the interview piece, like the journalistic side of like, you know, what we're doing, and he did a fantastic interview. It's gonna be another like, you know, really inspiring interview with a female doctor who's like, killing it because and also from like a different angle because she went to medical school i was always like so fascinated with the people that yeah. went to medical school like super right, late. Right. like i'm talking like they're in their 40s so this is like gonna bring that different angle and like a different sense of you know life coach inspirational side of what we do because of just the sheer fact that it's really never fucking too late if you want something bad enough, you know? So I think it's going to be really good. But like leading up to that, I thought it would be more meaningful if we really like explored who Big H is and like his story and background because more or less people that have been following us from the beginning at some level know that, you know, you're in psychiatry and I'm in orthopedics. It's a very basic level like where we're at in our training and that part of who we are. But I think his story is something that we don't hear a lot about at all, not really talked about enough, definitely not to the level that I was able to capture when we were going from Nebraska to Kansas. That was a five-hour drive, right? When I was doing welcomes out there, he came up to visit me, we set up shop in the fucking Holiday Inn that I was staying in. What's up, guys? It is October 20, what is it, 24th? October, 20, October 24th. We're in Nebraska. Been working on some Medicine Remixed stuff with this guy right here, Big H. H. The
1: Midwest <laughs> represents.
3: He lived five hours away in Kansas and spent that week, two weeks with me. They rented me a car, this Welcome's agency. I returned my car in Nebraska, and then he drove me, because he drove up from Kansas. He drove me down to Kansas. That drive, man, that drive, I was just like, Now's a good fucking time as any. I just got his story out of him and he's very willing to share it.
4: Well, I could tell what was coming. I could just kind of notice the you body know, language. The body language. And when she started kind of like raising her voice a little bit, I just blew up and I said, No, listen, you know, I need to be there at the blood drive. You know, I can't be here. And then suddenly, like, uh, two security officers descended on me. <laughs> they didn't take me down, but they just kind of like were on either side of me. And and uh, soon it was decided that I needed to go to uh, a kind a more secluded private area. Uh
3: huh. And so. And were you uh, in like, like a CPAP? Like the, like the psych ER or just the regular ER?
4: Oh, oh, this is just the regular ER.
3: I set it up. I don't know if you heard the station today. There's this clip that I played from, you know who nah. Ray Dalio is? Nah. He's like a, a super successful like investor, like mentioned in the in the same Ooh. breath as like uh, a Warren Buffett. He's an interesting guy. And he was recently on uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's Ask Gary Vee show.
4: Tim? Yes, sir. This is Gary Vaynerchuk. And you're on with Ray Dalio.
6: Gentlemen, this is Tim Ferriss calling.
4: No, it is not. Get the hell, (laughs) you guys are real characters. Hello,
6: Timothy. Good evening. Gennady Bainer to you and my question is for Ray Ray, I'm so excited by what you're sharing with the world and it's of such great value, I I have to ask you because our conversation has been so impactful for me, could you give any advice to people who are watching and listening to this who have struggled with or struggle with depression or bipolar disorder challenges of that type
7: Um, yeah, as you know, I'm I'm an expert on I have a son who's bipolar and uh, he's gone through the whole thing and uh, so I I mean I can give you know a lot Um, and by the way he's totally successful he's totally together and he went through the journey Paul Daly is his name he did a movie called touched with fire I recommend you see touch with fire anyway it conveys it and so I'm an expert I mean we did this I'm listening okay so first realize that insanity is at the brink of genius in other words it's just almost a tuning thing the thinking differently, that creativity. So, okay, it's a tuning thing. And, okay, so the advice is, when you go through the bipolar, first, to recognize that you have to go along with the program, to follow other people. You have to uh, take your medicine. The rules were, Take the medicine, get to bed at um, before 11 o'clock every night because there's a biorhythm thing that's going on. Make sure, it, in his case, um, meditation helped him a lot. It helped him keep centered. And most importantly, don't do substance abuse in any kind of way, okay? Keep ultra clean. So those were the things, And but Would because- that
4: be difficult with the
7: medicine part, step one? Because you could go too far with it. No, the medicine. The medicine is a tu- tuning thing. Understood. You start in. You're and are talking about w- other things. So what they do is they ble- they they knock you with the medicine to try to get you centered and control. Yep. It produces a numbness. Mm-hmm. That numbness is, has the effect of uh, you don't want the numbness. You mm-hmm. say, I want my life. Mm-hmm. Also, when you have to understand what a kick it is, to have manias, like there's, it's a super high, and you and so you're denied that kind of super high. And so that's a very difficult thing to get past. But when you start to crash enough, if we talk about failure and crashing, Mm -hmm. this is super crashing. Mm -hmm. And then you say, okay, I don't want it anymore. So you, and you have to realize that to tune that medicine is gonna take a while. It's a little bit of this and a little bit of that and it tunes it. And then, um, so uh, to be able to do that, to be able to uh, realize that you will be more creative than ever, he's become incredibly creative because he can deliver on that other stuff. So when you start to realize that other people can do it. Right. Um, so uh, that's the punch Tim yes. and I talk about this because it, you know it's an issue. Yes. So uh, Tim, talk to me.
6: No, I just wanted to elicit that because I'm sure there are people listening who could benefit from those recommendations. I've found that the going to bed by 11 or certainly before midnight, even though I've historically been a night owl, is a is a really effective intervention or preventative measure, like you mentioned. And the meditation, whether it's transcendental meditation or using an app like Headspace, is also a fantastic way to tune, like you said, the awareness of your emotional state so that you don't get carried away by the story that you tell yourself, uh, or the stories that you might tell yourself. So I, I agree with you. I just wanted to hear someone of your credibility uh, expand on it a bit for people who are listening. Who might think that they're uniquely flawed in some way—that's—that's that's unfixable. They're broken because I just don't believe that to be the case. Even though I've struggled with a lot of this myself, no bro- I just wanted. Uh, v- yep. have you say it.
7: A, a, a very important way. A very important thing is that you're probably gifted. A hundred thousand percent. In other words, read the book uh, "Touched with Fire" uh, by Kay Jameson and all okay. that. If you take the uh, the people. Um, this is um, people who are the most creative people in the world. Yep. I mean, you could have yep. Winston Churchill, yep. and uh, I mean, I could list all of these gift. unbelievably creative people yep. who are bipolar. Yep. Okay, so there's a big gift element, yep. but it has to be managed. Yes. You have to get it tuned right. You know this, Tim, because you you know you experience it. I we experience it, and so to realize that also. That means that people who are not suffering from these challenges also have the ability to move beyond it. They should have tolerance of other people. They should have understanding. So this should be successful. Tim, Thank you for bringing that Tim,
4: up. Tim, first of all, thanks for calling. It makes this super rad and fun. I didn't know
3: that much about Ray Dalio before this podcast. But uh, Ray Dalio's son, one of his sons, he has a few sons, I think. One of his sons mm. has bipolar and went through the whole thing and wound up being pretty successful in filmmaking and you know other endeavors. But he gets deeper than I've heard in mainstream media just as far as like his experience having a son that has bipolar and the things that helped him and i don't know if you caught it the other day i played that clip from last five prescription where it was me you and shrub and you're talking about big h oh yeah yeah. like we had a friend visit and he was telling me so like how i'm gonna compile the episode is like you know i'm gonna play that clip and basically introduce big h in in the mythology of, of medicine remix I'm now! <laughs> I still believe that psychiatry is the most challenging field in medicine because in so many other things, man, like I'm in orthopedics, you get an x-ray, you see that a bone's broken, Mm -hmm. you know how to fix it. When you're treating diabetes or uh, other types of disease, you know, you can do a blood test and be like, that's what's wrong with you. This is how I'm going to treat you. But in psychiatry, it's like you're trying to treat something that you can't see, you can't measure, you know, you're trying to fight an enemy that's not tangible. That's not, you can't quantify it. There's no number that you can attached to it like Mm. this is how bad your depression
0: right we measured your depression level and it's uh yeah tied it it yeah no you're right that's tough and i think to add to that is how distressing it can be to the patient Mm. it's all those things that you said it's amorphic we can't grab it we can't pull Mm -hmm. it out and on top of that it ruins your life Mm -hmm. yeah it's invisible and it's ruining your life Mm -hmm. and uh yeah we don't yeah
3: and a lot of the treatment that's out there i mean that's the other criticism about it is because yeah i mean we do know that there are certain like neurochemical imbalances that in theory you might be able to battle by you, you know, know giving them drugs that increases your serotonin right. or whatever the case may be but that's tough man because it's it's a multifactorial process it's yeah. not just the neurochemistry you also, bring up yeah. a good
0: point i don't want to forget this we, we had a friend here you know recently visiting and i was talking to him about his mental illness and you know he said something very profound to me we were talking about suicide mm-hmm. and uh, we we're talking about a friend of mine who committed suicide and, and the friend that was visiting volunteers to me he says uh, you know six years ago i thought about killing myself. and I thought about it very very intensely I was poised to do it and I didn't and I'm happy I didn't but it was a very real thing I I wanted to kill myself and he said to me the frustrating thing was that I was being started on medications and they had all these side effects Right. and I just wanted to get better and they're giving me all these drugs and shit's not working and I already want to kill myself and now I have to deal with these side effects for these these meds that aren't helping me it's like Mm -hmm. a paradox right it's
3: like your suffering then becomes in the side effects of the very same thing that's trying to help you exactly and and so I
0: said to me so what's the saving grace in all of this, and he says, you know, the the thing with psych meds is that you have to titrate it. You have to find the right Where amount and the right drugs, and it takes time. It's when
3: mm-hmm. you know, art meets science. Yeah, you know?
0: absolutely, yeah. and that's exactly what you said. If you have you know a sugar level of this, we treat you with this much insulin. Mm-hmm. It, it's a it's a fucking graph. We can find it. Yeah, this we treat yep. you with this. Eight right. o'clock, you get this. Nine it's o'clock, nine you More scientific. This. Yeah, and and it's easy to 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 customize that. Right. You know, and the problem with with these these drugs is you're right. They fucking work. And in most cases, we're not really sure exactly how or why they work, but we know they work. Mm -hmm. But getting the right amount and the right drug, it's it's a game and the side effects suck. But when it works, it works pretty amazing. Right. And so this friend that was telling me this said, that was the hurdle. And I wish somebody who had gone through this would have came to me and said, it took me fucking eight months, man, to get the right combination of drugs. But God damn it, I'll tell you, it's fucking amazing now. And it sucked to go through that, Mm -hmm. but fucking hang in there and just keep working at it, and you're gonna get to where you need to be. That was fucking profound to me because I thought, Uh, man, I just gave me chills. Like, to need to hear that, Mm -hmm. and for this person to be telling me, like, that's all I needed, man. I needed somebody to tell me, like, yeah, yeah, what you're going through fucking sucks, dude. Yeah, let me tell you something you have to do this because the end, it gets better, right? And these are just growing pains. We need to go through them. You're Mm -hmm. gonna find that right mix. And he says to me now, dude, I'm on the right cocktail, I'm on the shit that works for me, right? And it works fucking great and it it scares me to think of where i was six years ago sure i learned some skills along the way too, learn how to cope all that other stuff but i know for a fact that these meds are helping me but it took a, a little while to get that that right cocktail down mm-hmm. and i was just like floored. i thought fuck man that's something i gotta make sure i mention because that's anybody listening who's either starting a med or going through a new diagnosis of a site condition or knows a family member i'm yeah. um, wondering
3: if you know maybe they need to yeah see that type of help exactly. just to get evaluated exactly
0: I know that it gets better man but it takes work like anything else and and yep. psychiatric like you mentioned earlier it's just one of those things where it's, it's tough man and it's tough not only for the patient but it's tough for your doctor too man yeah. he wants you to get better but knows that you can't rush some of these things yeah mm-hmm. it's a frustrating part yeah. for both ends and yeah. it's very much
3: a two-way street man you need both the provider and the patient to really come to a common ground and Absolutely. work with each other yeah. to get better i mean yeah, yeah that holds for any kind of doctor patient relationship it, it's uh it goes both ways you can't have the doctor go in 80 and the patient coming 20 it's got to be a 50 50 split and I think a lot of times that doesn't happen how we'd like it to and and the patient suffers which which sucks because we're as doctors and we're here to help you and so that kind of understanding definitely needs to be reached yeah immediately after like I heard this like segment of Ask yeah. Gary Vee talking about bipolar, I was gonna text him right then and, and then tell him to like watch this clip and I was like, No, I wanna watch it with uh, him yeah, yeah. have us mic'd up and then have him comment on it. So that's exactly what I did, right? And so he dropped some really great addendum to like the already, I thought, a lot of value that like Ray Dalio brought. Because it was nice to have somebody who secondhand experienced bipolar, that perspective, but now having the primary perspective of somebody that you know not only had bipolar and yeah. like, you know went through the extent of the yeah, um, yeah. you know the whole thing and you know his story so it's probably like a half an hour at least worth of content of him commentating on that clip and then i'm gonna transition into that road trip where he's telling his story so i think it's going to be a really powerful episode and then that's going to lead into his documentaries interview that he did and you know what i have planned for the year coming up and now you know Rama's going to have a little bit more time i really want to like get more of these interviews out because i think that piece of feedback that we got from Adrian that called in, that was just like.
1: Love what you and D are, are doing within this channel. Um, I think mixing in your passion uh, with of the medical industry, and the medical world with hip hop has really sparked something inside of me that kept wanting to listen to you throughout each week and. Um, it really must have struck something to me because I myself was never into the medical world or ever interested in that before so yeah something must have happened there which is awesome Um, but I think the most valuable segments or episodes I get from you guys is when you and D are speaking organically so you could bring up what you did at work that day or possibly a medical story and you kind of feed off each other it's like being a fly on the wall and listening to an intelligent conversation about the medical world it's just different I just love hearing it it's just really real but yeah keep up the good work love the show not even
3: medicine and I listen to you guys which is like the ultimate compliment right because that's like literally what we're trying to do and just what he said about the best content for him was listening to us talk you know just what we're doing right now with our medicine remix post-production should be overwhelmingly the type of content that we put out because like not only is it the most well-received it seems like but also I think it's the easiest for us to create because we're able to do it by leveraging our dead time like we're doing right now I'm fucking drunk yeah, no, no, podcast
0: I, right now. I agree, so like a couple of things, the stuff with Big H sounds like it's going to be tremendous.
3: I want to hear your thoughts, the big age thoughts about what you just heard. Yeah, certainly.
4: That's interesting to know about Ray Dalio that he has a son that has struggled with bipolar and that he's overcome that particular challenge in his life, which at one point, at, at any point in all people who struggle with bipolar, struggle to overcome. And from what Ray Dalio was saying, it seems Paul Dalio has overcome it, or I should say, it's the demon that you always face with or battle with, but it appears as though Paul. Paul Dalio has sublimated if that's the term or harnessed I think I should say harnessed bipolar to his benefit and the creative endeavors that he's done he put out a movie uh, Ray said uh, called Touched by Fire which was written by Kay Jamison in fact the very first doctor who diagnosed me with bipolar disorder this was in in Chicago at uh, Rush Medical Center he as I was being discharged he gifted me a book called An Unquiet Mind by Kay Jamison and the sub title was A Memoir of Moods and Madness. And what was interesting about Kay Jamison is, for years, uh, and continues to be, a leading researcher on bipolar illness. And it was years into that career that she finally came out with her revelation that she has bipolar disorder. Mm. And she describes that in An Unquiet Mind, which was the precursor to uh, Touched by Fire. Uh. I found this to be frank and honest and refreshing. And partly a little bit disappointing about society that some people actually kind of turned away from her when she when she disclosed that. Isn't that amazing? You have a world-leading researcher on the topic of bipolar illness, and you have some people telling her that they're disappointed in her or that they view her differently now. I, I really, yeah. And she came out probably in the 19 early 1980s on mental health. The topic was more of a taboo back then. She wrote Touched by Fire, which is a book which profiles people who have gone on to do extraordinary things who happen to have bipolar illness. You have people in the arts, you have people in music, you have people in uh, public service and politics. people from all walks of life who have been able to manage their bipolar and uh, go on to achieve some great things.
3: Yeah, I think the point that you brought up about uh, people being disappointed in her is super interesting because, for example, I'm in orthopedic surgery and encountering patients injuries that I myself have never endured. It's an interesting encounter to truly be empathetic in a situation where like you don't know what that feels like physically feels like i mean you've learned about it as far as knowing all of the the textbook answers you know what it looks like you know what it sounds like (laughs) it almost you know tastes like But you don't know what it feels like unless you actually had gone through that yourself. In residency, for example, how we like sign out now and then somebody would just say, yeah, this guy's like a total pussy. And it's like, dude, broke both of his femurs. Like, you know, everybody has a different pain threshold, but that is almost like objectively like one of the most painful things you could go through to tie that back into Kay Jameson. It's like, what better person to be a world expert on bipolar than somebody that actually has bipolar and is able to really bring another layer of depth to that topic to not only know it so well on a scholarly level, but on a personal level, I feel like that should completely put her legacy in a different like league. You know, there's a lot more ignorance back then than there is, I guess, technically now, but even that that might be hard to believe as well. But um, yeah, that's disappointing.
4: But also what was interesting about Ray Dalio's interview with Gary Vee was Ray Dalio was absolutely correct about what to do when you are diagnosed and when you know that you have bipolar. Yeah. He said you must go along with the program and that means taking your medications. Many people go off their medications and in fact... I went off medications twice because I was in denial. I thought, come on, I'm not crazy. There's nothing wrong with me. You know, why do I have to be on these medications? And the side effects were horrible, but as Ray said, to tune that medicine takes a while. It takes a while to find the right cocktail. It takes a while to find the right combinations of medications which keep you stable, Mm -hmm. and ideally, which keep you stable and productive.
3: Yeah,
8: so
4: that you could could live a, a normal, fulfilling life. And he's certainly right about that. The medications, when you are in mania, medications do zonk you. They bring you back down from the mania. And I can tell you that while I was on these sedatives, I was really, really missing what Ray called the highs of mania. Yeah. The the delusions and the the thoughts and all these thoughts of grandiosity. And mania is an incredible feeling. You feel as though you're on top of the world. Mm -hmm. It's good while it lasts. And it's only later, weeks later or months later, depending on the length of time in which you were in the mania, that you realize, Oh, my goodness. It may have felt good while it lasted, but look at the havoc it has wreaked. Look at the toll it's taken on the patient, uh, the patient's family, the the patient's friends, the patient's finances. The three
3: F's. (laughs)
4: Yeah. And so Ray is right when he says you're probably gifted probably I think is the key word there because there certainly are many high-profile examples of people who who have bipolar and who have thrived Uh, Jane Pauley is an example which comes to mind who are some others I think he mentioned Winston Churchill yeah Abraham Lincoln is speculated Mm -hmm. to have had bipolar based on his extensive diary entries Mm -hmm. but it's uh, it's a little bit of a risky proposition when you're doing it in hindsight, yeah. retroactively. So that comes with a, a little bit of a grain of salt. But he certainly had his struggles with depression and possibly bipolar. I mean, he had highs and he had lows. And he experienced, the, I think, the death of one of his sweethearts. He lost election after election until he won the big election, right. which catapulted him to the presidency. Another thing Ray said was, you can be incredibly creative. And that's true too. You see, I believe it was Vincent van Gogh that Mm -hmm. struggled with, and again, this is kind of a retrospective thing. We know for sure that he struggled with depression, and based on his writings and based on his experiences, quite possibly bipolar also. As many success stories as there are of people thriving with bipolar, whose stories we hear about, I would wager, I don't have the number, I would wager that there are at least as many or more whose fortunes have turned for the worse, much worse, because it is a fact that a lot of people with bipolar disorder self-medicate. Mm-hmm. Ray Dalio said, stay clean. Keep yeah, clean from substances and alcohol. There are many people who abuse drugs because they're just absolutely unhappy yeah. you know, with their condition. It, it, it just drives them mad, who abuse alcohol. Yeah. And there is a high suicide rate among, but substantially higher than, than, than there yeah, is average. in the average population. There are examples and there are role models to look to who have overcome the odds, but there are also many who have slipped through the cracks, <laughs> have experienced ultimate failure, right. which is the outcome of not being here anymore. Right. I am blessed. I am very blessed to have two parents who took me in following each of the five major manic episodes. Yeah. Yeah and not everyone has that not everyone has you know people come from different situations broken family yeah. or you know my parents are in their 70s and i'm 41 by this age you know sometimes people in their 40s have parents who are not here anymore right i've just been blessed to come from a family that was fairly well off father was uh, is now a retired doctor my mom is now a retired nurse practitioner so where i'm going with that is I've had a very strong, loving, and supportive support system. Yeah,
3: that's got to be up there, too. Yeah.
4: So I guess what I'm saying is, why do some people fall through the cracks and end up alcoholic or homeless. homeless, absolutely, or abusing drugs and dying because of this condition? And why do some others make it and get through it and ideally thrive? Well, I think a lot of it too has to do with your environment, your support system, your yeah. family, the, the nurture. nurture. Absolutely, the nurture aspect, the advantages you you may have in life uh, by virtue of being born into the right family or being in the right social stratum.
3: Yeah. So you. I really thank you for sharing this and I'm looking forward to releasing our road trip, the conversation that we had with you diving in and giving the long and short of your very compelling story that I think as we start to gain more of a following and a listenership, I would really uh, be willing to make a big bet that that is going to be a pretty powerful episode for anybody, but especially for those that are dealing with something similar because I think whether or not their life trajectories was the same, just your relentless... Ability. I just feel like so many people, after listening to to your story firsthand, like and trying to put myself. In your shoes, I, I I don't know that I would would have been able to try something as daunting as medical school more than one time. But it really just speaks to how much you wanted to do it. Because I know that you know you didn't really have the family pressure. It was really that was like within and your just intrinsic desire to do that. Even though it didn't work out, I really hope that this medicine remixed projects winds up being exactly that for you. Medicine remixed in your own life just as far as learning about this stuff and you know realizing that you know you could still be a practitioner of medicine in a different way
4: yeah i certainly am very hopeful about that and i just for some context you know i big h uh, came on board in july and joined d and reach and the squad and so far i've been doing some very exciting things you know obviously we have the expectation that uh, it'll do well and we are already seeing signs of that and i'm just excited to be part of a team a uh, part of something that's larger Than you or me, or you know, reaching out to the masses. So, you know, I have have a lot to be hopeful for, and I'm I'm hoping for good things, both uh, with Medicine Remixed and other projects I have going on in life, and, and some personal changes I want to make too, just as far as my personal development and growth.
3: That's awesome, man any last words of encouragement or you know things that you're actively working on to that end as far as things in your life that you're trying to make better whether it's you know meditation or diet exercise that kind of thing and and some of the things that you're using to help you with that
4: one thing i can tell you that's made a difference from the mental standpoint of things or mental and spirit and soul end of things is listening to audiobooks you know yeah for you folks out there There are many avenues in which you can do this. Libraries lend MP3 packages of audiobooks. We're talking actual libraries that once used to have audiobooks on CD and cassettes. You can listen to audiobooks. There's so many sources on the internet. And I use that as a way of expanding the richness of my knowledge base and growing as a person. So if if there's one area in which I've recently kind of boosted my efforts to to become more and to I have to become a better person. Um, I would say it's uh, it's reading and reading in the form of audiobooks. Awesome.
3: Well great man. And I think everybody can look forward to hearing much more from you and I hope they will take away as much from your story as I did.
4: Thanks so much, Rich. You, you got it man.
5: This my story. So I was in the psych ward, as you do. I didn't want to go in, but the cops 5150 ed me and they took away my shoelaces. It was weird that I was in the psych ward because, yeah, I was trying to kill myself, but I'm not insane. <laughs> when you first get in, they take away all your stuff anything you might hurt yourself with. Your keys, pens, headphones. The staff is very disinterested because they have seen a lot of kooky behavior. We gotta lock your stuff in a closet. Do you need anything? I was just a little hungry. If, if one of if you had a sandwich or. No. Okay, maybe. Sunny. Do you have anything or? Graham crackers. Can I have a graham cracker? Only one. If you thought you felt bad before going to the psych ward, come on in, it's even worse. So, what are you here for? I was trying to kill myself. Great, great. Uh, What's been going on, what are your symptoms? Tell me your history. I was on antidepressants SSRIs and then that was working but then I started talking faster and then I started, every moment became unbearable every moment is unbearable, every moment is unbearable and I started just like having this repetitively crap idea Oh my gosh, I should kill myself, oh my I should kill myself, you know what I should do? I should kill myself! Okay, perfect. Uh, now what kind of work do you do? Oh, this is where I made a mistake. I was honest and I told him I was a comedian and I thought he was just taking notes on his iPad but then I heard a voice coming from the iPad that sounded very familiar. I said, I hope you don't mind living next to a Mexican because we leave shit on our lawn. He had YouTubed me and was watching me do stand up in a psychiatric setting. I said, Well, if we're going to talk racial stereotypes, I hope you don't mind living next to a white lady because I'm going to steal that shit. <laughs> Manifest destiny, it's kind of already mine. <laughs> Pretty funny. <laughs> I'm much funnier live. Man, I don't get it, but people are laughing. Hey man, could you turn that off? I mean, I know I'm a white lady having a nervous breakdown, which is pretty run-of-the-mill, but at least act like you're listening. And to make sure you weren't, uh, you know, delusional. <laughs> Since when is it grandiose psychosis to think that you're somehow involved in the entertainment industry in Los Angeles, California? It's not like I said I was Richard Pryor, and and if I did, wait until I leave the room to Google me. Out of respect for Richard Pryor. So they decided I wasn't delusional, but that I did need new medication, and I was very irritable. I filled out a comment card on both sides in tiny little shaky letters, in pencil, in a psych ward so I'm sure it went straight to the top. But the joke was on me, because he prescribed a mood stabilizer whose primary side effect makes it difficult to think or talk. (laughs) (laughs) Which, as we've established, (laughs) is my entire livelihood. But I did learn one thing. The doctor says he needs a payment from you before you get your stuff back. Apparently, it's not a sign of mania to spend irrational amounts of money as long as it's spent in-house.
1: Mm-hmm. Ta-da! Ha <laughs> ha!
0: stuff with Big H sounds like it's going to be tremendous. It's funny because listening to you talk about it, um, you know, one of the the hardest parts of the job, at least so far for me, has been seeing patients in the outpatient clinic, like, you know, them coming to clinic just to see me for either an initial visit or a follow-up and sending them home. Like, that's been, you know, I, I... I'd imagine every physician, no matter what, their subspecialty at some point has, you know, one or two patients that they're not sure if if they should be uh, admitted because their pneumonia's real bad or whatever, but their pneumonia is probably not gonna make them lose their job as much as like a manic episode at work. You know what I mean? like right. like the 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 right. ripples of somebody's psychiatric condition gone you know awry are it's it's fucking terrifying and you know i spend a lot of my time uh just kind of lamenting over like decisions i've made you know did i go up enough should i have added this uh should i you know should i have yeah you know convinced them that they needed to go inpatient um so just hearing you know, because I get a lot I, I see a lot of bipolar patients and um you know the guy I don't know if you remember uh, but I had a patient who, who took his own life um and that was probably six months ago now and that's yeah. fucked with me like a lot and I, I don't I don't talk about it because really nobody to talk about it with it's not like I mean not that I don't have outlets but it's kind of a heavy thing to just dump on somebody you know um, but you know he was bipolar he didn't like it he didn't like the label he was much more receptive to just being depressed I'm, I'm depressed right now that's it you know I'm just down um, but he fought this idea that he was bipolar just wouldn't accept it and wouldn't accept the treatment regimens didn't want a mood stabilizer no 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 you know, uh, two out of three patients with bipolar disorder do better without an antidepressant. You know, it can really, you know, send them into a manic episode. Um, I think that's what happened to BH. That's basically what Yeah, and even then, there's like, you know, some contention in the literature still about it. But, it, you know, in terms of in practice, that that's kind of, that is the understanding. And that's definitely what I've seen. And this guy just wanted an antidepressant. He had been on all of them. And, um, you know, I just... I didn't like the idea, but he was, yeah, he was depressed, but he was just in the downswing of his bipolar episode and um, prescribed it to him and he didn't do well. He had some side effects and um, he called me back and said, you know, uh, hey, I stopped taking it. And I just kind of had a, a moment with him and just said, hey man, this is what I'm thinking. And uh, I think lithium's going to be the way to go. And I, I really, I really think you need to reconsider this and whatever hurdles you have in terms of like social stigma, let's deal with those later. You know, let's get you in a good place. And then I'd hear from him a long time. And, you know, he didn't show up to appointments and all that stuff and didn't answer calls and all that. And then just randomly, I got news that he, he took his own life and You know, in the moment, um, I was very, uh, and regrettably, but I was very, uh, just kind of non-reactive to it, just like typical guy shit, you know, like I, you know, I can't react to that, I can't show emotion, I'm at work, all that shit, um, but one of my, my mentors just, he's the one who told me, and he didn't have to tell me, um, I don't know why he even, why they even told him, to be honest. It wasn't like there was any foul play, or we were being sued, or no, no, he just, learned about it, and I I haven't even asked him where he learned about it, but he told me, and um, he wrote his name down. I still have it, actually, Um, and said, you know, if you need to talk to somebody, uh, uh, you know, I'm here, and I, I remember thinking like, Why why would I need to talk to you? Like, this wasn't like our son. You know what I mean? This was a patient and I get it. I I care very much for my patients, but this isn't something, an experience that he and I shared. It was kind of something. And it it sounds even petty for me to say it happened to me. Nothing happened to me. I mean, this poor person was in such a horrible place emotionally that I can't imagine the pain he had to feel to do that. But it didn't happen to me. So, you know, I kind of felt like I like stuck. Like, am I a bitch if I feel like something happened to me? You know, cause I, I mean, I didn't, nothing happened to me. But am I also a bitch if I start crying right now about it? You know what I mean? It means you care. And I know that. It means you care, There's no like question in like my own heart. Like I, I did care for that dude in the sense that He was a human being going through some shit. And he reached out to me. And yeah, it was probably just the way the insurance company worked and how close he lived to the office and who had an opening and all that shit. But nonetheless, he sat in my office across from me and told me everything he told me. And he didn't have to. And remix hotline, please leave. That's it. At the sound of the beep, thank you. D,
8: I just wanted to call in and give you props, my friend, and just say thank you. Appreciate this conversation. As the father of an adult child who is going to be on medicine his entire life, uh. I just found great value in this. A couple of different things that you spoke about. One of the things that you talked about was insight, and I can tell you for us that's made all the difference. And Clonopin for my son is a game changer. Without it, he is a mess. You know, the other medicines that he's on stabilize his mood, and he does really well. As a matter of fact, he's doing better now than he ever has in his life after many, 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 very, very difficult, very strenuous years. But Insight has made all the difference, that and a day treatment program. And
0: uh, we have a new life with him. You know, even before that happened, I always had to check myself, like to not overextend myself and like call a patient two weeks or two days after they leave my office, to just say, "Hey man, just checking in. How you doing? You taking your meds? All right, man. Just if you you know what I mean, because like that's a hard model at this point in my training. I don't have that kind of time, you know. And but I'll tell you what, I've still called patients on on a Saturday at at at, at seven in in the afternoon just to check on them because I know that you know it's the wife caring for the husband and the husband's not in a good place, and I'll call her and just say, hey, how's he doing? You know, do you need anything? Like, did you get the script filled? Like, was there any problems? with that? Like, I don't write a note about that. I don't tell my director about that. I don't tell my coworker. That's, that's not for anybody to know. Like, I do that because it wears on me in a way that I don't think other specialties wear on people, not to take anything away from any, every specialty of medicine has its own sort of heart string tugging, you know, crevices and folds and and turns. But something like this where it, 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 it affects so profoundly the people around them um it it kind of opens you up to like more avenues of hurt and more avenues of distress and more avenues of disappointment because you're involved with so many people in the family who are trying to care for this person um i've i've probably overstepped my bounds a couple times you know calling people giving my cell phone out you know that's like a cardinal rule don't do that don't do that to you know don't give your number out to a patient like you're not only are you like inviting inconvenience like like it could raise all kinds of ethical problems but this is a time where, like, I some patients, my directors asked me to call. Like, hey, do you mind checking on them over the weekend? You know, because we've dealt with them so much and we know them so well because they've had so many episodes where we had to work in close contact with their other doctors, right? So, like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a sucker for sure. Like, I, I probably care too much a lot, but um, this is different. This is like, I'm, I'm part of it is I'm caring because I'm sure it's my ego that's kind of wrapped up in this. Like, I don't want to lose somebody because I don't want that shit on my, uh, on my conscience as, as part of my rap sheet, you know? And then there's part of me that says you should be smarter, you should know better. You should know these meds better. You should know these regimens better. You should understand the, the admitting criterion better. You should be more abreast on this stuff to avoid this stuff from happening. But then when you lose a patient and you did the right thing. I mean, you you did the right thing. You, you literally went by the book. You were met with some resistance. You went over all the negatives, of, uh, you know, negative potential outcomes. And you went to the proper next step and you did all the right stuff. But you're not there with them. And you know, when somebody's in the throes of a bipolar swing, they don't necessarily want to get out of it. That's the other hard part. Like if I have pneumonia, I don't want it. Shit's fucking annoying. It's, it's making it hard to do stuff. When you're manic, they like it. It's euphoric. I mean, that's the terminology. Yeah, that, I mean, they love because yeah, they're, the they feel like they're being super productive. They feel like they're on top of the world, like they're making changes. Matter of fact, remember that Kanye clip that you, uh, no, no, that RZA clip you played?
9: Looking at his regimen, I'm gonna tell you something this young man does, y'all. They get up every morning and eat breakfast together, his whole crew. They talk about yesterday and the next day and the present. They plan. On over breakfast, they sit there and they talk about what they're gonna do, what they did, and how to make the music better. Then they go exercise together. Go to the ymca they play basketball lift weights focus get the energy out get the chi up and then they hit the studio around four o'clock and he stays there from four and when i was there we left at four so 12 hours of in the studio work then go to bed get up and do it again the next day the, the way everything happened though was like focus energy you know and actually i never seen that from a rapper before dude he's
0: describing What I think is a hypomanic episode that Kanye was going through. He's talking about waking up at four in the morning, motivated, you know, on top of the world, grinding, not sleeping, working out. That's a hypomanic episode, man. But, but it's harnessed with a product, right? He produced something. And that's the crazy part that if you can harness that wild energy in that hypomanic state, because you're, you're still sleeping, you're still eating, but you're just, you got a little bit more in your tank. And, you know, so. Those people in those moments aren't necessarily reaching out to you for help. They're not so in despair that they're thinking about taking their own life um, because they're on an upswing and they may do dangerous stuff that, you know, it's risky behaviors that that land them in some trouble, but that's not the part where they call you. And then the crash is so devastating when they go into that depressive swing that if you're not there, it could be bad. And that's the fucked up part. And that's the part I know and I know all too well. And it's hard to convey to people i too am curious to hear what big h has to say because he he was sent home at some point you know and he was maybe not necessarily treated you know to the letter of the law in terms of you know how we treat patients with bipolar disorder and I think that's an important thing not only for people for like the lay person to hear that's an important thing for a doctor to hear because you don't necessarily need to see that ever you can you can decide to work for the worried well and only treat the soccer moms with anxiety you can do that that's a potential practice you can run in psychiatry there's a whole clinic here all they do is treat ADHD kids that's it that's all that guy sees so you can do that you know that'd be like you deciding to do nothing but dips you, you go fucking insane but you could do it it's a potential you know yeah so you can choose not to ever work with somebody who's right. going to be in the throes of a manic episode yeah. but at some point it's probably going to come across your desk and i don't think we hear enough from somebody who comes out on the other end not necessarily unscathed but stable you know
3: yeah that's that's such a key word mm-hmm. that i i learned was stability because you're never it's there's no cure you're never going to get rid of it since, right that's not the goal or the intent of the treatment it's like can you be stable and can you avoid those yeah, episodes yeah, that that's, can really tear your that's life that's a
0: hard thing um because there's something called the kindling effect with bipolar episodes and the, most of the people that i see in the emergency department when i get called for a consult and it's somebody i know it's it's classic. It's the guy or the gal who suffers from bipolar disorder, and they've done well for two years, and then they had an episode. And then when I get there and I say, Hey man, what happened? And they say, Ah oh doc, I stopped taking my meds. And you're like, Why the f- why the fuck would you do that? And they were like, Because I was feeling good, and I thought maybe I don't need them. Yeah instead of thinking like I feel good because I'm taking my meds they're like yeah you know I I thought like maybe you know maybe I'm cool maybe I don't need them because I don't like taking them or whatever I don't like people knowing I take them or I started dating a new girl and I didn't want her to see that shit in my medicine cabinet so I just said fuck it I'm doing good right now and I threw it out and then they fucking have an episode that sort of scenario the more untreated bipolar episodes you have the harder they are to get under control with medication the next go-round. So this idea of kindling that if you don't stay on top of, because people will tell you like, okay, I don't want to take it anymore because I'm doing fine. You know, I was going through some shit back then. I'm not stressed out anymore. I'm stable, I'm married, I have kids, I have a good job. I don't think I need it. I just don't think I need it. And then, you know, you're reluctant, but all right, I mean, I can't make you. And then they have an episode. And then the next go-round, They just can't get back on the same medicine. That's generally not how it works. You're fucked. You're gonna have to go up, you're gonna have to add something, you're gonna have to change something. That's that kindling effect. So when you see people who are really struggling with it and they're constantly going off and on, off and on, you get to a point, man, where you're like on these crazy cocktails because nothing's working, you know? And that's fucked up. It's fucked up because I always wonder, like, I don't know, maybe I could have said it differently to them very early on in their illness, you know, and maybe I could have got them on board and said, hey, like, we're in this shit together. As much as I can be in it with you, I'm there. Like, you're not the only one, you know, you aren't the first, you certainly won't be the last, but I don't think of you any differently because you're a person suffering from bipolar disorder, you know, but maybe that's not what they heard first and that stigma forever followed them, you know, I don't know. So I'd, I'd be curious, you know, to hear Big H's side of it and see probably just listen for the pitfalls you know
3: yeah man because like so much of what you described is like you know almost exactly how it went down for him as far as those manic episodes happening in relation to his compliance with medication right. or like a dosing of medication that was incorrect or you know any number of those things and to your point about how ridiculous your job is because like you, you know I'm the first one to be like I'll take <laughs> yeah. like a 5am to 9pm day yeah. of from 9am to a 5pm yeah. day of child and adolescent psychiatry any day of the week as much as I'm fascinated and interested in psychiatry and you know I learned so intently when I'm like listening to you and through medical school yeah. that was like you know I think my disproportionate yeah. strength as we've talked about before like in all of our rotations that we did but it's just something that I don't know that emotionally because I know exactly that feeling that you're talking about <laughs> about like letting a patient yeah discharging them from the hospital and you don't know how they're going to do but that's on a physical level of like i hope they take their blood thinners so they don't get a blood clot versus whether or not this person takes their bipolar medication i don't know what's going to happen to them i think that there's a very big difference between the levels and depths at which we're worried about our patients
5: Hi, we're not in right now But if you leave your name and number We'll get back to you
0: Medicine Remixed On no other place but here On Anchor
9: Hey guys, it's Patrick And I wanted to call in Just because I wanted to chime in on your conversation about Mind Over Matter, and uh, I really appreciate it, you know, your segment. Man, everything I can relate to, because as a guy who's been suffering with bipolar for over, you know, close to 30 years, this kindling effect has, it's whooped my ass. It really has, and I can really appreciate what D is saying, because, you know, I'm on this new med now, it's something new that I'm trying, it's called Vrylar, it sounds like some gladiator or something. Look out, here comes Rylar. He's going to slay your depression. Who knows? But I'm willing to, this is the first time in, uh, I think, since my diagnosis that I've ever taken medicine without also being under the influence of alcohol since I'm sober now for two and a half years. And uh, over two and a half now. It's going to make a difference, I'm thinking. It's consistency is key. Yo, Patrick,
0: this is D, Medicine Remixed. Uh, yo, thanks so much for that call-in, man. And I'd like to congratulate you on two and a half fucking years of sobriety. My man, that is incredible. I really mean it. That's incredible. That's awesome. You're 100% right. I agree with you. Um, your response to the medication off of substances I think would be better and more robust and you absolutely hit it right on the head because I'm with you consistency is king not only in just life but in day to day stuff including medication including sobriety consistency is king and man lastly I just want to say thank you For sharing what you share. I don't think people really understand the stigma of mental health until they go through it. People can empathize. People can, from a distance, understand how you would be weighed down by it, coming out, speaking about it. You probably less so than others. It sounds like you've made peace with it. 30 years is a long time to battle anything. Um, so I'm sure that road has changed over time for you, but I don't think people understand how hard it is to talk about. People have a hard enough time admitting that they go to therapy, you know, for whatever problem might be going on in their life, much less having a mental health issue or be dealing with a disorder. Um, but dude, that's awesome. That, that made my day. Thank you for calling in. I'm happy to hear that you found some, um, some comfort i guess in in what rish and i were talking about and that's the goal man that's our goal for sure is to just reach out and hit as many people as we can with our message and the other half of that is to take in your message so thanks so much for sharing man and hopefully we'll be we'll be in touch we should collab at some point right i mean that's kind of what anchors allowed us to do now so uh we need to work on it so how about that for consistency huh <laughs> All right, but again, great to hear from you. I hope everything's going well. And if there's anything else we can help out with, uh, let us know. If not, just keep listening, cause it's medicine remixed on Anchor. Peace.
9: Straight rap.
7: Take your medicine.
1: medicine remix listen
3: to one of your mixes I'm like wow nice mind-blowing the way that you connect all of these very intricate and seemingly disconnected elements to create this just beautiful montage is Creative, artistic, fresh It's amazing So keep doing what you do I'm definitely coming back To listen more and more
1: and more Love what you are doing Within this channel Mixing in your passion Of the medical world With hip hop Has really sparked Something inside of me That I kept wanting to Listen to you Throughout each week And um it really must have struck something into me because I myself was never into the medical world or ever interested in that before so yeah, something must have happened there which is awesome it's like being a on the wall and listening to an intelligent conversation about the medical world and it's just different, I just love hearing it it's just really real
2: shit, shit to make you feel
1: shit. yeah, keep up the good work love the show
2: Medicine remix. You guys are the coolest doctors. Do people know at work that you guys have this podcast? I kind of wondered. I bet they're just like thinking you're like the dopest people in the practice.
4: I just got onto the uh, medicine remix and You guys are rocking it, rocking it steady. Up. Like the mixes, I like the topics. I know you guys are really like superstars. You know, real
0: life superstars. Oh, thank you. Keep it coming. You guys are killing it man. Sure.
8: Medicine remixed. I don't know where to start. You guys are geniuses. Talk to It's beyond refreshing because your segments also are enlightening and educational. Come on, I, I just can't even. There are no words. I just wanted to stop by to say thank you.
3: Oh, thank you. Yeah, so I finally favorited your station
0: because I thought, you know what? After all this time, you finally deserved it. <laughs> thank you for listening. You're listening to
4: Medicine Remix. <laughs>
0: on no other place but here.
4: On Anchor.
0: Wait a Wait a if you guys would please just like and subscribe uh anywhere you see anything medicine remixed like the shit out of it just click on it Let doesn't cost you, you do. move your goddamn fat finger and click on it you're clicking all kinds of other shit at work when you shouldn't be god damn it yeah. um uh, but uh but yeah we appreciate it and that's really you know the only surrogate market we have to go by and listen the other thing is fucking tell people about it man Tell your friends about us. Tell your friends. I mean, I'm always amazed, man, when people think people are famous. Like, I've never been starstruck, ever. And the reason I've never been starstruck is because somebody said to me once, you know, the only reason that person's famous is because you made them famous. Right. I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, stop caring. Who the fuck that is? Yeah. Watch how famous he is now, and it's yeah. like holy it's like fuck! We, you're right.
3: Yeah, we give things meaning. man. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we give words meaning.
0: We give everything, man. And like, when people, when people think like, oh, you know, my friend's an artist. Uh, he's he, the guy wants to make it big or whatever. You know, something fucking support that. I mean, if he sucks, he sucks. But if he's even halfway good, man, you make people famous. I don't think people realize that you make things important. And goddamn it, make us famous is what we're saying. Fucking tell people. No, but my point is is that the only way this is gonna get out and it's ever gonna you know get it, you know grow any legs to it is if people tell other people about it. And listen, if you don't like it, thank you for suffering through it. We love you. And if you like it, we'll fucking tell somebody, man. And to be real honest, the feedback that we've gotten back so far, fucking great man. Like uh, wow, we appreciate it. Been, we're know, we, having
3: a good time doing it, and this is our way to be creative within a field that really is an art and a science but art has been taken out of it yeah so you know for for creative people in medicine and there's a lot of them there's a lot of like super talented people absolutely this could be a forum for those people kind of looking for a different way to express their craft through a more creative means
0: medicine remixed
3: only on anchor